Well, welcome everybody. It is good to see all of you. Uh, my name is Justin. I'm the pastor here. I'm excited to jump into our word. Uh, it is just great to be ministered to by God through song, through scripture, and, and be filled with what he has for us today. Uh, so I'm glad that you all came this morning. Uh, so for those of you that are new or maybe haven't been with us for a while, we are in the middle of a series in Proverbs. And um, what we've been doing in Proverbs is just looking through the different topics of Proverbs. Proverbs has a lot to say about our lives. And I just really loved to hear and see how much Proverbs just applies to the everyday things in our lives. Uh, and what we're going to be talking about today is the power of our words, the power of words. And we're going to kind of be in a little mini-series over the next three weeks talking a lot about speech. And we're starting with it talking about the power of words, the power of words. But, you know, before we go forward, I just want to acknowledge what kind of God is doing. And I'm really excited because later we're going to be able to take communion together uh, today and really just thank God for his sacrifice and what he has done. Uh, while we were worshiping, you know, what the testimony that Ilya shared and I just what I felt like God's spirit was doing in the room uh, was just breaking the lie of the enemy. And the reason why we can come to God uh, in repentance and in, in with open arms today, every day when we wake up, the reason why we don't have to believe the lie of the enemy that says that God doesn't love us, that he doesn't care for us, is because of the sacrifice of Jesus. And when we take communion, what it's going to be really great to do is just to remember. That's what we do when we take communion. We remember the sacrifice of Jesus, the broken body, which is the broken bread, and the cup of grape juice, which signifies his blood that was spilled. And what an incredible moment to be able to uh, not just worship God and say, Father, we feel your spirit here, but then to take communion later and say, we know that you have performed an act so that we can worship, and what we're saying right now is true, that you love us, that you care for us, that you died on the cross so that we can be redeemed and have relationship with you again. And uh, so that's why I really love those moments, because we get to speak the truth of the gospel together and break the lies of the enemy. And so as we talk about the power of words, it's really important uh, that the, the things that we speak over our lives, the things that we speak over other people's lives. In Proverbs chapter 6, verse 16 to 19, it's a famous passage, and what it goes over is the seven abominations that man can do. And in these seven abominations that we read, we're going to read it in a second, Three of the abominations, an abomination, if you, if you haven't been a lot around a religious folk enough or, you know, fundamentalist, an abomination uh, is essentially everybody in this room. We're all about, no, just kidding. That's, that's if you've been around fundamentalists for long enough. You're an abomination. Uh, an abomination is something that God hates, that, that God hates when we do these things. And so the seven abominations that the sage writes, we're going to read them together in verse 16 to 19. It says this. There are six things that the Lord hates, seven that are an abomination to him. It's like the next level of hating it. So then the, the, the proverb, the sage, lists those. Haughty eyes, a lying tongue, and hands that shed innocent blood. A heart that devises wicked plans, feet that make haste to run to evil, 
A false witness who breeds out lies and one who sows discord among brothers. Three of the things that God hates out of these seven abominations have to do with the things that we say. Uh, So that's why over the next three weeks, we're going to be honing in on the speech that we use. And today, specifically, talking about the power of our words. How we use our tongue matters. James says this, if you were here for our James series, you'll remember this. Our mouth guides the direction of our lives. Just like a rudder, you know, this small little thing on a ship guides the direction of the massive ship, so does the mouth guide the direction of a life. Proverbs 18.21 says this. This is like, you know, a Pentecostal favorite right here. Death and life are in the power of the tongue. And those who love it will eat its fruits. Death and life are in the power of the tongue. This is truth that we can speak death and we can speak life just with the words that we say. In Genesis 1, we read that when God created the heavens and the earth, how did he do that? He did that with the spoken word. He spoke into existence the earth. He spoke into existence the stars, the heavens. He spoke into existence humankind, into existence the mountains and the seas, day and night. All of these things he did with his word. Our speech and how we use it, what we say, has power. It has power over us and it has power over others. Proverbs 12 verse 18 says this, There is one whose rash words are like sword thrusts. But the tongue of the wise brings healing. So here's the thing. You can either use your words to wound people, or you can use your words to bring healing to people. So the question we're going to be asking ourselves over the next few weeks is how are we using our speech? Today specifically, how are we using the power of our speech? Are we using it to wound people, or are we using it to bring healing I want to first talk through how speech, using it, how we can use speech in harmful ways. Proverbs talks a lot about how we can use speech in harmful ways, so we're going to kind of unpack this. How is it that when we talk to somebody, it says that our words can be like a sword thrust? Now, I don't think, you know, we're not in the Middle Ages. I don't think anybody has been thrust with the sword, but if you've ever watched the show, you could imagine you know, it's, it's like, you know, getting stabbed with five knives at the same time. That's how, about how thick the swords are. They're pretty, pretty harsh to get stabbed with a sword. That hurts. And so how we use our speech, how we use our tongue, how we use our words, if we are using it for harm, we can use it truly in a way that can hurt the people around us. And so I want to explore that for a little while. How can we use it to hurt the people around us. So Proverbs 16:28 says this, a dishonest man spreads strife and a whisperer separates close friends. So the first way that we see that words can harm is through gossip. Now, we've actually talked about gossip a lot. We've talked about gossip a lot in the Proverbs series already. We've talked about gossip a lot in our James series. And so essentially, What I want to say is that we cannot get away with being ignorant in this church when it comes to gossip. If you have been here for at least a couple of months, then you can't claim ignorance to the sin of gossip. This is a harmful, harmful way that you can literally destroy communities and people and friends. 
So what I want to do, since we've talked about this a lot, I just want to do some gossip checks for us. When we're talking uh, with somebody, these are some good questions that we can ask ourselves. Is what you are about to say harmful to the person you are talking about? Is what you are about to say harmful to the person you are talking about? They may not be in the room, so is it harming them what you are talking about uh, to somebody else? What are the words you are using to spread? Are you spreading strife? Is what you are saying, is it adding fuel to a fire? Is it making other people more upset or angry about somebody else? Is it spreading discord about something or someone? Or is it spreading peace? These are good questions to ask when we need a, the light bulb goes off and we have to say, am I gossiping right now? If you have to ask that question, it's probably a good indicator that you really need to check on what you were about to say. But just in case, we can ask ourselves these questions. James puts it this way about gossip. He says, we cannot bless God in one breath and then curse his likeness, which is people, in the next. Right? We cannot worship God like in, in one minute and then when we leave here, begin to curse his image or his likeness, his people, in the next. That is not how it works to serve God. And so gossip is dangerous. It's dangerous in our relationship with others. It's dangerous for other people. It's also dangerous in our relationship with God. So the next thing in Proverbs chapter 6, verse 12, it says this. A worthless person, a wicked man, goes about with crooked speech. So first we met the dishonest person. This is the person who gossips and tears down people. Now we meet the worthless person. The worthless person goes around with crooked speech. As Proverbs explains this person, you know, this passage kind of goes on longer and longer talking about the worthless person. We see that the worthless person goes around spreading mischief, goes around with what they say and how they act. It's kind of, you're taking a situation that happened and you are making it worse. You're just like, man, let me tell you about what this person did. Did you know, right? That's the favorite. Did you know about this? Because this person is going crazy right now. Their words, Scripture 7, verse 14, sow discord. I love that. It's so, it literally plants discord, disunity, division. Discord, what it does is it destroys friendships. Discord actually destroys organizations. It, it destroys communities, you can actually destroy friendships. You can actually destroy an organization. You can actually destroy communities with how you talk. Did you know that? If you are going around and you are spreading strife, so if you hear something that's happening and then you go and you tell other people about it, you put fuel on this fire that is going around, you are planting seeds of destruction where you are. Whether that destruction the, the fruit of that, if you're planting, you're sowing this, will grow up and it will mean two people that were friends will no longer be friends anymore. Do you know that that could be your seed? Your seed can alter a friendship because of how you used your words. Can literally alter the course of a community or an organization because of the words that you are saying are planting division in different people's lives or the life cycle of a community. This is why we must watch our tongue. We have to be weary, church, of people who speak ill of others. It may sound like juicy gossip, and we want to be in the know. 
Proverbs 18.8 says, The words of a whisperer are like delicious morsels. They go down in the inner parts of the body. It's like, mm, you ever get some juicy gossip? Like, yes, yes, yes. Come on, put it. Give me more, give me more, give me more. This is, this is the flesh. It likes these things. It wants these things. Like, yes, what, what else do you have to say? I want to, essentially, it's just like we're talking bad about other people and feeling good about myself. This is why we like this type of speech. But we have to be weary of this. We have to be weary of people who do this in the church. We have to be weary of doing this ourselves. Because what happens, and the truth is, we are giving place to an evil heart. And we are giving place to people who are looking to destroy. In Proverbs 16, verse 27 and 30, it says this. A worthless man plots evil, and his speech is like a scorching fire. Verse 30 says, whoever winks with his eye plans dishonest things. You know, I can't wink, so I'm just assuming I'm more holy because of that. That's why I like this proverb specifically. You never want anybody ever see Arrested Development. There's a character that's just like really can't wink, and it's really sad. That's me whenever I try to wink with my eye. But it says also, let's get back on track here, Proverbs. He who purses his lips brings evil to pass. <laughs> Heather's not going to let me live that one down. We have to be careful whether... We become part of the destruction that Proverbs is talking about and receive that judgment that comes with them. Because the person who plots evil, the speech that's like a scorching fire, their, their lips bring evil to pass. This is what happens when we sit around worthless talk, when we sit around gossip, when we sit around and we let people sow discord and we let people sow strife. What happens is it's like a raging fire. It brings evil. It brings destruction. That is the fruit of those things. And when we sit and we enjoy it and we become part of it, we become part of the judgment of those things. In Proverbs 10, verse 10, it says, whoever winks the eye causes trouble. Thank God I'm not winking again. And, but a babbling fool will come to ruin. We have to understand. That the one who is spreading strife, the one who is spreading gossip, the one who is babbling, using their voice for wicked, for harm, for evil, the end of that person is what? Ruin. It says that the babbling fool what? will come to ruin. This is not that person might come to ruin. That person may come to ruin. That person will come to ruin. So if we have taken part in these things, if we have used our mouths, to spread lies, to gossip, to harm others, to use it for deceit, to literally not just spread lies, but to create lies, to sow discord in other people's relationships, maybe out of spite, maybe because you know they did something to us that we were mad about and we never went to them and, asked and, and tried to mend the relationship again. What happens is when we use our tongue for this type of destruction, for harm, for death, what we are doing is we are causing a future that has in its path ruin. We cannot be ignorant of the power of our words. Proverbs 11.9 says this, With his mouth, the godless man would destroy his neighbor. The tongue has power to destroy. It can destroy you, and it can destroy your neighbor, the people around you. 
But the thing about the tongue is, yes, it can be used for evil, but like we said, it can be used for great good. It can speak life. It can bring healing. The wise person uses the power of their words very differently. The wise person, uh, when we first started talking about Proverbs, we talked about what wisdom is. And there's a difference between wisdom of the world and wisdom of God. Now, the wisdom that scripture speaks about means godly. It means good fruit. And so the wise person is the godly person, the godly woman, the godly man. The godly woman or the godly man use their words very differently with people. They use their words for good and not for evil. One of the, my favorite ways that a wise or a godly person will use their words is this. In Proverbs 12, verse 25, it says, Anxiety in a man's heart weighs him down, but a good word makes him glad. And I think in our society today, where anxiety is one of just the things that is run rampant in our society, especially in the millennial generation, anxiety is just... You know, if you read the stats, it just seems to be getting worse, worse panic attacks, anxiety attacks, stress, just constantly weighing down. I hear about this is one of the things I hear most about as a pastor and counseling. But what I love here is the wise person can use their words to actually make a person who is feeling anxious glad. I love that. We can use our words to speak into the lives of the people sitting to our left and our right that are dealing with anxiety to lift up their hearts, to encourage them, to lift the weight of anxiety from them. When you see someone weighing down, I want you to understand, you can speak life into their situation. Your words have power in their life. You can give them what says here in Proverbs, a good word. And that good word can take the weight of anxiety and lift it up off of their shoulders. I want to tell you a funny story of just how powerful words are and that they can come from anyone. Uh, probably like three or four months ago, I was going through probably a, a very, very, very stressful time. Uh, just every, a lot of different things that were happening with work were weighing on me at the same time. Uh, and, you know, if, if, if you ever have kind of like... Hey, this is worst case scenario in your life. If imagine if like this went wrong and this went wrong and this went wrong all at the same time. You ever have that moment? And then like the next day, all three of those things go wrong. You're just like, whoa, okay, all right, we're doing this. All right, we're there. Uh, and so it was kind of one of those scenarios in my life. And uh, I just I was sitting in the living room. I was with Heather, and you know she gets to hear all my garbage. Uh, and uh, I was just kind of sitting down. Uh, Levi, I don't know what Levi was doing, probably playing nicely in the corner with his blocks as he usually does. Heather was sitting on the couch, Judah was playing video games, and I was in the corner. Uh, and I just, I put my head in my hands and I said, God, what are you doing to me? It was, this, this was a moment, even though my family was there, this was a moment between me and God. I didn't expect anything to happen, but the craziest thing happened at that moment. Judah stops playing his game, he looks at me and he goes, He's working. I said, excuse me? <laughs> exactly. And then he like kind of snaps out of it and then just is like, what? what just happened? And then goes back to playing his game. I'm like, my little four-year-old just gave me a prophetic word. Look at this. <laughs> but 
in that moment, those two words, do you know what those two words did for me? It put my entire situation into perspective. And I realized, God, you're working. That's exactly what you're, you're doing something in me. You're doing something in the situation. The only way that all of this pressure is building up is you are doing something. And you know what? I am going to get through this with my character. I'm going to get through this with my righteousness intact. And instead of complaining, instead of letting the anxiety throw me into a spiral of stress and depression, what I'm going to do is instead I'm going to praise you and have joy in the midst of my storm. Two words from a four-year-old literally changed my entire perspective on what would be another month and a half of craziness. That every time it started to get too much and I felt the cracks coming, I remember, man, God gave you a word through Judah. He is working. He is working. And that is what we can do for one another. When somebody is going through something, when you feel, you see the anxiety, ask God, God, what are you saying to this person? How can, I, how can I encourage them? How can I help them? It might be that God wants to use you to give a good word to somebody, to lift the burden, to lift the anxiety from them, and use your words to speak life into their situation. A simple word of encouragement or scripture can put someone's entire situation into a godly perspective and change the outcome. That is the power of using words for good. Proverbs 16, 24 says, gracious words are like a honeycomb, sweetness to the soul and health to the body. Gracious words are beautiful. I don't know if you've ever had somebody deal graciously with you, which essentially means that you were owed ungraciousness. <laughs> you know, if you've ever just kind of messed up and you thought, man, I'm, I'm really going to get it now. Uh, uh, this, is, this is going to, I, I deserve whatever it is that you deserve. And then somebody comes and they just have a, a gracious word for you. You know what that is? That's, that's sweet, like a honeycomb. It's health for the body. So I'm asking myself, how can we become more gracious with the way that we talk to others? Well, it may be that your spouse has just, they've done it again. You've asked, you know, I asked you not to do this. And normal mode in the world says, you know what? When you get to a certain point, when they mess up again, what do you do? Passive aggressive mode, right? Screaming mode, I told you. Nobody ever thinks that they sound like that, but trust me. Your neighbors hear you. You sound like that. Instead, what can we say? We can have a gracious word, a gracious way of going about it. Like, can we go about trying it this way? Or, you know, I know you're really trying. Thank you. I appreciate that you're continuing to, you know, work this out. When your kid just, they ask you something for the thousandth time that you told you not, you have a choice at that point. Do I scream at them or do I give them a gracious word? Your coworker needs you to explain something for the hundredth time. And they just keep getting it wrong. You have a choice. Do I give them a gracious word? Am I gracious with how I speak to them? Or am I going to say something that's going to cut them? Am I going to say something that's going to be harmful towards them, that's going to bring them even lower than how they're feeling? In many moments when a gracious word can uplift someone... 
a rash word will also be at the ready. We can either tell people they are incompetent, or we can say, don't worry, it took me a long time to get the hang of it too. Let me show you again. See, don't ever think that the rash and harmful word is the only way. I want you to understand that every time that you have the option that you're feeling, I want to say something rash, I want to say something harmful, I want to say something mean, that is the exact moment when a gracious word is also on the other side of that coin. See, the thing is, we're so used to saying harmful things, we're so used to saying rash things, we're so used to saying mean things, that in those moments, it seems like the only option and the best option, but we need to start triggering our mind that every time we feel a harsh word, we need to train ourselves that that is the exact moment that a gracious word can be said as well. So the next time that you want to scream at somebody, the next time you want to be passive the next time that you say, why don't you get this already? Know that that is the exact moment that your gracious words can actually bring healing to somebody, can be sweetness to the soul and health to the body. Proverbs 10.21 says, The lips of the righteous feed many, but fools die for lack of sense. Your words can be used to nourish others, to teach them, to instruct them, to uplift them. You ever just leave a conversation with somebody and feel full? If you have never experienced that, then my advice to you is go get some righteous people that you hang out with. <laughs> Surround yourself with some more godly people in your life. Because when you're with somebody that is godly and you're hanging out with them, I, I, don't, I, just, I walk away from those moments and I feel full. And I started realizing this when I was in college because in college I was in a, this uh, this. Uh, college group called InterVarsity Christian Fellowship. It's basically a Christian club on college. And so during our times in between classes, I would go to the club room and we would hang out. We wouldn't really have, we had scheduled prayer meetings and small groups and all those things, but for the most part, it was just a bunch of college students hanging out. And during those times, I remember those times vividly because we would always have these incredible conversations. And I would always walk to my next class thinking, man, I feel full of the word of God, or I feel nourished after talking and hanging out with these people. We would talk about all types of things. We would talk about dating, theology, God, sin, sex, whatever it was, all these things that you kind of just naturally talk about in college. That's what we talk about. But we would have these godly conversations. And I realized that when godly people, when they get together and they hang out, what happens is you have good fruit from the conversations. And from that understanding, that's literally what we based our understanding of community here at our church, was it's not necessarily that we have to say we are going to pray together every week or we're going to study the Bible together every single time we get together, but it's more about are we pursuing God together and when we do get together in our natural conversations, in our natural everyday of community, we are going to be having uplifting, godly conversations that leave us full, that we walk away from feeling, God, you just nourished me through that person. You know, I remember our first and second and third dinner party, all three of them in the church were really weird uh, because if you've ever been to a dinner party or uh, we don't really even call them dinner party, you ever been to a hangout at Zion, uh, what we do is we hang out. We eat food, we talk, we laugh, we play games, all of that. And the very first one, I, we gathered maybe 15, 20 people at our house uh, and at some point, somebody was like, hey, when is the Bible study? 
And I, I, I told them, I was like, oh, we're not having a devotional today. And they were like, why aren't we having a devotional? I, I came for a devotional. And I was like, well, we could talk about scripture. Like, what's on your mind? Uh, and it, it just felt really weird. Everybody's kind of like, where, what's the devotional time? But what we were trying to understand is that there were actually three different conversations at the hangout that were godly, good conversations that people were being filled and nourished from them. And sometimes we think we can only get nourished from the pastor on Sunday during a sermon, and we don't realize that there is a wealth of information right around us to our left, to our right, behind us, and in front of us. And if we hang out with one another, you may have an encouraging word for your brother or sister. They may have an encouraging word for you. You may have read something in Scripture that comes out in your conversation. They will have read something in Scripture that they can add to that conversation. What happens is you build each other up. You sharpen each other. You grow with one another, and you use your words in a life-giving, in a godly, in a wise way. It says in Proverbs 12, verse 14, from the fruit of his mouth, the man is satisfied with good and the work of a man's hand comes back to him. You know what? It may feel better in the moment when you're talking with somebody to just tell them off. Well, you know what? I'm tired of you, boss. I'm tired of you, coworker. I'm tired of you, wife. I'm tired of you, husband. I'm tired of you, kid. <laughs> we got a little laughs for that one. It's okay. God forgives you. Just like he forgives me. <laughs> but I want you to know that in those moments, that it may feel good in the moment to say that, but those moments will leave you dissatisfied. The conversations that will leave you satisfied are the ones where the fruit of your mouth is good. That in those moments that you don't speak death over them, you, you do is you speak life. The beauty you feel when your words speak life over people cannot be understated. In Proverbs 10, verse 11, it says, The mouth of the righteous is a fountain of life. We have to allow our words to bring life. To let our words be seasoned, to be wise, to be godly. What we need to get is this, is that our character is linked to our speech. If, if we've been paying attention to the Proverbs we've been reading, it, it, they start like this. A dishonest man says this. A, a worthless person says that. A, a righteous person says this. A, a wise person says that. Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks, Scripture says. If your mouth is constantly wounding and not healing, it is because your heart is still wounded and not healed. See, the only way for the fountain of life to come out from us is for us to first drink from the eternal well. In John chapter 7, verse 37, Jesus says this. It says, on the last day of the feast, the great day, Jesus stood up and cried out, If anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, as scripture has said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. For our speech to be life-giving, you must first get life from the source. If we find our words to be wounding more than they are healing, then we have to ask the one who graciously heals to come. We have to 
Go to the source of that life and say, God, I realize that the, the words that I say are, are wounding. They're speaking death. They are thrusting into people's lives. Come and heal me that my words may be healing to others. This is not a sermon about talk better. Talk nicer to people. This is a sermon that says, let the power of your speech come from the power of the almighty God. That if you want to live a life where your words do good and speak healing and live life in other people, then first you must go to the God who is the life giver and the source of all wisdom. And what will happen is that as your heart changes, the closer you get to him, you will see that your mouth will begin to change as you speak to others. And instead of people walking away demoralized, walking away angry, walking away sad, walking away wounded, walking away hurt, what they will be is they will walk away with their anxiety lifted. They will walk away with life. They will walk away full. They will walk away with the burden gone. They will walk away healing with healing and wholeness. Because of what God has done in us, we get to use that same power with the life-giving words every single day. Can you stand with me and pray?